Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show here on July 8th, 2018. Here's your host, Adam White. Yes, thank you, Eric. Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Show, a special World Cup edition, our third of the tournament. I'm Adam White and this evening I'm joined by Eric Devin and Jeremy Smith. Just a quick reminder before we talk all things Le Bleu and their 2-0 World Cup quarterfinal victory over Uruguay on Friday, that uh, you, you can follow us at GFFN on Twitter and you can find all the latest news, opinion, podcasts and feature articles on French football as a whole at getfootballnewsfrance.com. So let's dive in, chaps. Eric, your reaction to what was a surprisingly simple 2-0 win in the end over Uruguay for France? Yeah, job well done. I, I think that there were some questions before the match about how Coins and Talisa coming to the match replacement with Tweedy would affect the game. We obviously know Talisa to be a much more forward-thinking player, but I think he understood his role very well. Credit to Didier Deschamps, again, for making that sort of bizarre 4-3-3, 4-4-2 hybrid system work very well. I think we saw improved matches from the likes of the forwards, Griezmann and, and Giroud in particular, you know, weren't exactly devastatingly effective. Griezmann uh, scoring and assisting on a side, but I think that uh, Giroud's aerial dominance, Griezmann's pressing, really made the French a lot more combative side and difficult to deal with. That being said, I was a little bit disappointed in Uruguay. They were very organized, but they were also very narrow, particularly the fullbacks. Uh, we commented, and it's been said earlier as well, that uh, the Uruguayan fullbacks, particularly Diego Laxel on the left side, uh, his dynamism had made Uruguay a much more different proposition. I didn't think we saw very much of that. Uh, on Friday, and I think that that allowed France much too much space. Pavard and Hernandez are not naturally attacking fullbacks, but they had they had a lot of space and showed a lot of dynamism going forward. I think that as a result of that, between that and that narrow diamond that Uruguay play, I think they just made it a little bit too easy for France uh, to really dominate the match in the way that they saw fit. And I think there was only going to be one result once we saw the way that Uruguay had set out their stall. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. And there was surprisingly sort of weak. And I think the, obviously the absence of Cavani made a big difference. But Luis Suarez didn't even have a shot in the whole game. Not on target, he had zero shots in total. Um, but even so, a, a very positive result for France after, after what was a slightly nervous build-up, Jez. Do you, do you think there's, a, there's good comparisons to be made between this performance of Uruguay and the win over Argentina, which was a bit more eye-catching, perhaps? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think I'd say that... Um, in, in ter- just sort of quickly dealing with Uruguay, I think they don't really do themselves any favours. I think they're a little bit too obsessed with this philosophy of, um, you know, defence first, keeping it tight, grinter, grinter, grinter. I think um, I actually think they're a better team than they sort of give themselves credit for, in a way. Even without Cavani, who's obviously a massive miss, both in terms of, um, you know, the striking ability but also the the support he gives defensively um i still think that they're they're a better team than they showed um but i think at the same time you have to give france a lot of credit for for the way they sort of annulled um any of any of uruguay's threats and um i mean the mention of lax out i actually thought the sort of the first five ten minutes or so he looked pretty dangerous and then um not disappeared from the game, but certainly stopped marauding forwards. And um, I mean, I tend to give Mbappe credit for that. I think he, you know, he, I think sort of they sort of traded blows early on. Lacks out, sort of probably first of all, um, frightening Mbappe and Hernandez, and then <clears throat> Mbappe getting the better of him, and and I think sort of forcing him to stay back because they were so scared about his his pace and trickery. And yeah, in general, I thought it was. The Argentina match, 
um, as, as we discussed last week, and despite all my pessimism beforehand, it was the perfect matchup for France. You know, the slow defence and midfield, and you know, it was, as as they did during the match, all they needed to do is basically give the ball to Mbappe and, and sort of watch him run. This one, I think, was a much bigger test of, of France of their, I guess, their Grinta in a way, um, and you know whether they're up to up to the task of. Um, Firstly, playing a team who's, that are going to let them have more of the play than Argentina were going to, and secondly, you know, it's, it has been a criticism of France before, like Colum- the Colombia friendly was the obvious example that um, that they they allow themselves to be bullied. So this this was a big test, and um, I mean, generally, I think every single player was was excellent. Probably, I'd I'd argue the worst player on the pitch was the one who ended up with a goal and an assist. Um, I still don't think Griezmann actually played that well, but um, you know, the main thing is that, that he comes out having it, having a um, a part played in, in both goals. And I think you know if you're looking for sort of good omens or certainly good signs about how this how this team has progressed and is progressing, um, you know the quarterfinal four years ago, um, obviously it didn't just come down to that, but you know there's been so much attention on Varane being bullied off the ball by by Hummels. Um, for him to score the winner in the quarterfinal against Germany, or for Germany rather, um, you know the fact that it was it was Varane, not exactly bullying, but you know a clever free kick and using his nast to get in front of the defender and 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 score the first goal was kind of yeah I think sort of quite a sign about how this team has progressed and hopefully is ready to take a couple more steps. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, especially in comparison to the previous quarterfinal, which I remember sitting watching four years ago in Brazil and being so disappointed in France. They were so sort of weak and timid. And obviously the Germans were obviously a fantastic team and deserved to win that tournament. You know, beating two two South American opponents in South America to win the World Cup is quite impressive. But France really didn't put much of a fight up in that game. Um, and another interesting omen that you mentioned there, Olivier Giroud, we'll probably come back to him later, but hasn't scored in this tournament. I was sort of looking into it earlier. And that's not necessarily a bad thing for France for their main striker not scoring in this tournament. Obviously, Stefan Gavash didn't score in 98. And Bernard Lacan didn't score in 84 either when they won the Euro. So maybe a, 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 an omen there for France. Um, however, looking at the other side, Eric, looking at Cavani in particular, um, I, I take a lot of Jesse's points about how, how positive the French performance was. But how curtailed was the Uruguayan performance by the lack of Cavani? Christian Stuani, not the best understudy, perhaps. No, absolutely not. I mean, the thing about Cavani is that we, you know, we see him as a matador, this, you know, well-built, power, powerful physical presence. But he's so much more than that. I mean, don't forget that this is a player who, you know, despite not being the paciest or the most skillful on the ball or the best finisher, was a very effective, both scoring goals, but also playing as a complete player on the left wing in a 4-3-3. Uh, he's always been a player for a club and country who's been immensely willing to sacrifice himself uh, for the team, for the team's goals. And I think that bearing that in mind, he's you know a huge miss, not only for uh, the work rate, the effort that he gives, but also for his scoring. I mean, he, he was you know very impressive in the, in the win over Portugal in the round of 16 as well. So I, I don't think we can sell that short either. I think that Absolutely. He's a huge miss. And that shows, you know, it's been mentioned now that there's this fourth substitution in extra time, that how much more of a leg up that can give countries like a France that have this deeper pool of talent versus a smaller country like Uruguay. Uruguay are fantastic, but we saw obviously in this match, the lack of depth. I mean, 
to go from someone like Cavani, who has the goal record that he does, to uh, Christian Tuani, who's you know a decent championship level striker. I, I think there's certainly no comparison, both in terms of goals, but also in terms of uh, the players' ethos and what they bring to the team, uh, both by example and what they're doing. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely a fair point. Although I, Christian Stroni does deserve credit, he's got I think he got twenty one goals for Hirono, who obviously promoted to La Liga in thirty three games in all competition season. So he's obviously useful in some in some regards, but just Cavani's a whole a whole other level. Um, I think something that really needs to be recognised in in this game and how France have progressed over the course of the tournament, Jez, is obviously we talked a lot about how how uh, Deschamps goes about fitting in all of those those forwards, and we talked about Giroud and Griezmann and Mbappe a lot. But defensively, they're looking they're looking pretty pretty solid. And there's been quite a lot of consistency with that back four. You know, Mendy and Sidibe being not fit has kind of given Pavard and Hernandez quite a chance, and they're taking it. Aren't they? Them, them and the back four and Kante look look pretty impenetrable at, at times. Uh, yeah, I think you know Pavard got the headlines against Argentina because because of that amazing goal. Um, I think he's he's one of those who looked a little bit shaky the first couple of matches, which again is understandable. He's a young kid. He's only just got into the team and it's the World Cup. But I think he's looking better with every game. And Hernandez, I mean, for me, he's he's been... Oh, <laughs> I hesitated because I was going to say first and then I thought of another one, second, third, fourth. But he's certainly been among France's best players this World Cup, I think. Um, and not only his his actual play, but um, again, using that word again a little bit, Grinter. I think he's he's really got stuck in um, in a way that um, maybe you could argue um, some some French defenders don't. And although he's he's one of the newcomers, I think he's set a little bit of a tone. Um, Loris, you know, had had shaky form coming into the World Cup, but that save, um, you know, to keep it at one nil was absolutely crucial and. Um, so far in this World Cup, he's 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 been excellent, and the two centre backs as well. Varane is it's weird that he's no one ever really talks about him. He's been such a mainstay for France now for so long, and he's just sort of so consistently good, but without ever doing anything spectacular, you know, in in defence or or attack. That I think maybe he it sounds weird to say considering he's you know a multiple trophy winner with Real Madrid, but for France it's almost He's almost an afterthought and kind of underappreciated just because he's always there, always doing quite well. But I think he also has had a couple of dodgy moments in the last year or two. But I think he's he's taken on another dimension in this World Cup. Um, prepared to, to be a little bit braver with his passing, trying to break the lines. And, and just in defence, he's been, in terms of sort of, um, defending set pieces, he's been excellent. His reading of play, we all know, is good, and now he's popped up with, with a really important goal as well. Um, so I think he's he's sort of taken on another level and possibly taken Titi with him, who again just before the World Cup had had a few dodgy moments, but I think he's looked more and more reassured as the World Cup has gone on. So obviously, I'm hoping that this doesn't sort of tempt fate and get sort of three huge rickets in the next match, but. As a unit, and as you said, with with Kante just on another level in terms of the the shield that he provides ahead of them, they've looked really, really solid. Um, which actually is is um, very reassuring, considering that you know Sidibe, I don't think is completely fit. Mendy certainly isn't, and 
Ram, Rami hasn't played a minute yet, and Kimpembe, I thought, looked a little bit shaky at the start of the uh, Denmark match. So, um, you know, thank God they're, they're all fit and firing, and um, also no suspensions coming into the semis. Yeah, I wanted to just jump on something there as well. I think that the Ntuti confidence point, certainly, I remember it was probably like 15, 20 minutes in the first half, he, you know, had the ball in midfield, you know, no, not really an outlet pass. He just did a beautiful dummy to sell, um, who's the Uruguayan said midfielder, uh, Nandez. It was just, you know, the bravado and, and confidence to do that for a player who, again, you know, is, is 24, is not a young player, has some major tournament experience, but still, you know, is still, I think, sort of finding his way, finding his role into this side, um, even two years on from when he first really broke into the team. But the, the player I really wanted to highlight is Pavard. I think that, you know, talking about going into the tournament, this is a player who we've talked about as not really being a right back, being sort of, you know, people being surprised that uh, he got the call rather than Debussy. But, you know, gosh, I mean, playing, playing on Friday, you know, what he gave as in terms of his forward play was you know, far and away. And, and, and again, you know, clearly Mbappe pinning back Laxal to give Pavard more space to run into certainly has a role in this, but the confidence in, in the, the forward play that he's shown um, just in terms of linking play with Pogba and getting forward himself, getting in some decent crosses. I think that's that in terms of growth, is a massive testament not only to the players' confidence and, and abilities, but also to that of Deschamps, who is really molding this player into something entirely different than what we've seen from him, uh, you know, both from his time at Lille and, and playing in Germany. I, th I think that's an incredible achievement uh, on the part of Deschamps to engender such a metamorphosis within this player, within the space of, you know, a month since this, a month or so uh, since the squad convened. It's really, really impressive to, to see Deschamps get that balance right in terms of what he wants those fullbacks to do, attacking versus defending. And Pavard in particular is, is the result of that in a really impressive way. Yeah, I think that's that's a really, really good point. I think that's an area where Deschamps perhaps doesn't get as much credit as he deserves. That The fact that he's managed to sort of sort of cajole his performances from Pavard in such a short space of time. And given given when I was at Leo, as I mentioned on the previous card, I watched quite a lot of him then. And you know, he's sort of a utility player and he's moved around and, and played defensive midfield, played both fullbacks, played centre-back a little bit too. And and he was obviously very young at that point, but he it looked like he didn't necessarily know what his best position was. And it didn't look like the manager at the time didn't know what his best position was either. And when he left for Stuttgart, I was honestly quite surprised that one, you know, I suppose they were sort of, you know, not on their, not on their, 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 their the, the best times, I suppose. But I was still surprised that he sort of been highlighted as talent that, Perhaps a, a club with slightly more money, perhaps or slightly more potential than Neil, perhaps could would would target. And uh, fair play to him because they were finished seventh in the Bundesliga this season with him as part of a back three. You know, he's a very defensively minded player. But as you said, Eric, he's, he really has proven himself competent in in both both sort of the final third and and in defending. Um, but I think although as good as Pavard's been, and we're talking about best and Hernandez too, and I 100% agree with Jez on on both Varane and and Hernandez. I, I have a bit of a rogue shout for, for, for Golden Ball. If France go and win this tournament and they keep playing like this, do you think, Jez, I'll, start, I'll ask you both this question, but do you think Kante could win the Golden Ball? He's been, I think he's been that good if he keeps playing like this. Um, <laughs> I think depending on the, it depends a little bit on the judging committee because when you look yeah. at the, 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 the people that win the Man of the Match awards, 
Um, I mean, it generally seems to be whoever scores a goal, irrespective of how they play. Mm. You know, Griezmann, for example, got man of the match against Australia. Still makes me laugh. Um, so if those same people were picking the golden ball, then I would say no. But in terms of, of how he's played and whether he deserves it, I mean, he absolutely deserves to be up there. I can't think of any other standout candidates, really. And it's, I've said before, it, it it almost makes you laugh out loud the way he plays that, you know, the, where he pops up, you know, one end of the pitch, one second, the other end, the next, um, you look at his stats. I think he, he leads the world cup on interceptions. He leads the world cup on, on uh, recuperation, probably on, on kilometers run as well. It's, it's just, it's quite unbelievable. And just to ha- it must be a godsend to have someone like that in your team. You, you can always rely on, to generally be in the right place at the right time. And the only criticism I give is sometimes his passing is wayward, but that's that's not his 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 number one role. And the way that he fulfills his role is just it's it's stunning at times. It really is. So d- definitely deserves to be a candidate. But I'd be very surprised even if France win the World Cup. I'd be very surprised if he got the Golden Ball. A genuine candidate for you, Eric? Do you think? I, I have to agree with a lot of what Jeremy said there. I think that also, I think in this match in particular, we have to give a lot of credit to Paul Pogba. Pogba wasn't the creative outlet, the, the driving force that he was against Argentina, I don't think. But I think a lot of times we saw him as the deepest of that midfield three, allowing Conte to get forward a little bit more and link play with those short passes and allow Taliso that freedom off the ball as well. And I think that a lot of credit has to go to really this midfield operating as a collective. And Conte is the obvious standout because of his work rate and the freedom he gives the other two players, be it Matuidi, be it Tolisso. But yeah, again, a really a tremendous tournament from the Chelsea man. I, I think that, again, you know, as Jeremy really says, keen observers of football are not going to say this. And, you know, when you said that, the, the anecdote that Jeremy relayed about Griezmann winning against Australia was literally exactly what popped into my mind, uh, that, you know, it, it, to the victor go the spoils, but you know how how well merited uh, these awards are is not always that clear. I mean, I think if France were to win the tournament, you know, depending on what happens in the last two matches, you would imagine it probably go to Mbappe or Griezmann. You know, barring you know, say Giroud scoring a hat trick or something in in one of the remaining two matches, uh, just didn't, and not that you know, not that Mbappe in particular would be undeserving in that, but. I think in terms of consistency throughout the tournament, which that award is supposed to acknowledge, I don't necessarily know that we've seen that from either one of those players. I mean, Griezmann's certainly grown into the tournament, uh, and Mbappe was fantastic in the knockout rounds, but both of them have also had some rather less flattering moments, shall we say. I think that they've not been consistently at their best throughout, or as integral as perhaps they should be in, um, in France's progression. Yeah, I think that's that is you both made a, the, the kind of the key point there is that I think Lionel Messi won the previous one. I'm not sure he deserved that either. It's kind of sort of deference given to attacking players, you know, based on sort of reputation more than anything else. But perhaps if we had a GFFN awards, perhaps he would he would win our Golden Ball maybe. Um, I think a couple of things. Just that, quickly, sorry, uh, yeah, go on, just go. Sorry, just um, mention of Pogba. Um, hmm. He's it's not usually a word that you'd associate with him, but he's also kind of in a very understated way, I think, been, been immense, as Eric said, this World Cup. And um, I think 
got a feeling Pogba and Varane made their their France debuts in the same match, and I think that there's sort of a relatively similar trajectory to to their France careers. And you know, just as I said that I think Varane has become a bit more of a, a leader and a bit more of an influence in defence. I just, I think Pogba is by kind of sort of contrary, but by winding his neck in a little bit and keeping it more simple and playing more for the team and less as an individual, he's become a lot more of a leader of the team. And um, certainly with, with Griezmann being a little bit quieter than, than we'd hoped, I think he, he seems to be um, at some times the, the real leader on the pitch. He didn't necessarily show it when there was that whole flare-up um, with, with Mbappe and Rodriguez later on. But um, apart from that, I think he's he's again also gone up another level not ne- again not not necessarily in in terms of play but in terms of sort of attitude and, and mental strength and i think that's that's had a big influence on france this world cup as well yeah i'd have to i'd have to agree there absolutely i think he's, he's as you said he's, he's simplified his game a little bit perhaps that's the has kind of mentioned that to him and, and and sort of impressed upon him that he needs to do that and i think he's been especially in the knockout rounds he's been quietly brilliant and i think um, some of the less heralded players in this team just, I like Pogba which sounds a bit weird to call him less heralded but when you you compare it to the hype of Mbappe and Griezmann and the talk about Giroud and, and obviously the, obviously Candice been a little bit sort of quietly brilliant as well but Pogba has kind of gone on the radar and he's he's done done really well this tournament so I think he deserves a lot of credit um, one one further point before we move on to preview the Belgian game actually two further points um, Hugo Lloris very quickly just, just to pick up on that absolutely brilliant save from Caceres' header um, He's, he's done extremely well to overcome what was a pretty shaky international and the Spurs as well, sort of form coming into the tournament, Eric. I, mean, I think he's in the last couple of games, all right, that Di Maria goal was was extremely well hit, but maybe he could have done a little bit better. But that, that save in particular and his overall performances have been pretty good, I think, overall. And, you know, I think this is the Loris who seems to be in the tournament. I, I think there was that near own goal against Australia. I want to say it was Tolisso um, yeah. very early on in the match. I mean, that could have you know, really put France behind the eight ball in terms of what it could, the impact it could have had on the match at that point. Uh, but Larissa was very smart to, to stop that. And I, I, you know, I remarked to my buddy, we were, you know, here in Boston watching the game. And so I said, you know, you, you watch like this is Hugo's tournament. Like, you know, he's 31. He's had all this international experience, you know, now, you know, increased the experience in the Champions League with Spurs. Um, and also dating back to his time at Lyon. And I think that, you know, we all know the knocks on him. You know, he's a fantastic, fantastic reflex keeper. One of the very best in the world, but okay, maybe the distribution's not there. Maybe in terms of his leadership, you know, we know him as being sort of this mild-mannered guy. He's a little bit understated. He's not the fiery electric presence that we expect from, say, a Stephen Donda or a Vincent Yama, someone who's going to be out there bellowing and pointing the whole time. Um, but I, I think that he's shown an incredible level of focus and an incredible level of, of drive in this World Cup that, you know, again, has not always been there at club level. It's not always been there for France, um, particularly, as you mentioned, in those, in, in the, the friendlies leading up to the tournament. But I, I think he's he's playing as a captain. Uh, again, not the most vocal style, but simply through example. And that's what we've seen, you mentioned Pogba the same way, that Deschamps really has his players on the same page in terms of subsuming, you know, their individual desires or what have you to play as a team and to make everybody work their hardest and lead by example. And I think Larice is, you know, one of, if not the finest embodiments in this team of that approach to 
to to playing to playing in this tournament, and and that's why France are where they are. It's yes, they have the talent. Yes, they have the individual skill, but it's simply the way. It's the focus, the drive, the togetherness that they have. Um, I mean, it's the thing. Deschamps has been manager for six years, and in that time, he's pretty much churned over the entire team. Save Lloris. I'm not sure if Matuidi would predate him as manager. So would Giroud, but. By and large, this is entirely a squad of his selection. Um, he's got rid of the clicks, he's got rid of the camps, he's got rid of the issues, and he has these players believing in him. Maurice is the example of that, and it's a it's a testament to the player's ability and it's a testament to the manager's ability to shape a squad in his image to be not necessarily prosaic, but to be pragmatic and to get the results through focus and, and effort. Yeah, fantastic stuff. I think the thing that sort of stuck out for me there is that he's playing like a captain and I think that's crucial for this France team which doesn't necessarily have in terms of Loris, doesn't really have sort of a, a, too many leaders per se and if you just looked at this tournament in isolation you would say that it's the Hugo Loris that, that Spurs fans would have been talking about two years ago or 18 months ago the, the Hugo Loris we expect so it's really good to see and one final point before we move on to Belgium uh, Jez I just wanted to ask you about uh, Tolisso uh, Matuidi suspended for this game. Police came in. I thought did did pretty well. Does Matuidi come straight back in, or is there a little bit of a fight for a place there? Um, I'd expect Tolisso to come, uh, Matuidi to come back in, but I would have no issues whatsoever if Tolisso kept his place. I thought he was excellent. Um, I couldn't necessarily pinpoint anything in particular that he did apart from the, the one shot over. But he was another one, obviously not quite at Kante standards because no one is, but he just seemed to be everywhere. Just you could you could just tell that he was working so hard for the team, whether it was trying to support the attack or um give the defence more more protection. Um I I was re really impressed with his performance. Um you know, it, was, it was not a diff not an easy match to come into after a slightly shaky first match against Australia. But this is the, the Tolisso that we know. Um, you know, I think he is a tactically intelligent player. He, he, he's happy to, we saw at Lyon, he, you know, he can play in defense. He can play, he's even played as a sort of number 10 before when needed. So very versatile and able to, to support both ends of the pitch. Um, but at the same time, he'll, you know, he, follow instructions and, and not do anything crazy and um there was a, there was a an article in l'equipe or mentioned in l'equipe that um <coughs> when there was that flare up and paul pogba almost lost it and could easily have got a, a booking which would have ruled him out of the semi it was Tadiso who came in and, and sort of pulled him away and and helped calm things down which showed that again it's not just about the the actual play on the field it's about thinking clearly in a, in a <clears throat> what can be a fraught situation, and um, again, I just I was really impressed by his by his maturity. Yeah, I think I would agree. Definitely, much much more improved than the the Australia Australia. I think it was Australia played against, wasn't it? The Australia game, yeah. And and because he's an extremely talented player, and he's only twenty three, he's got quite high, you know he's got high ceiling, and there's the potential to be a genuinely world class player there. And you know, hopefully next season he'll get a little bit more opportunity at Bayern Munich. Although he did he did play quite a lot for them this season, but we could see him playing consistently at that level because he's definitely good enough. Um, so just to move on to finish off the pod, gentlemen, um, France Belgium semi final, Eric. That could be a this could be a this could be a, a a tournament defining game. It's got the potential to be one of the best sort of semi finals we've seen for quite some while, isn't it? I think so. I think I think correct me if I'm wrong. Last time time these two teams met was 
2015, they played a friendly, which I believe France won 4-3. It was a very wild match with uh, not the best defending, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of goal scoring. And I think that this match won't be quite that way. I think that we saw, particularly in the way Belgium approached the quarterfinal, that they, you know, for all that attacking talent, can really be every bit as prosaic and 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 not negative, but defensively sound as France. Um, I mean, this is a match that to me, I would say nil-nil, 1-1, extra time going to penalties, and then you've got two of the world's very best in Courtois and, uh, and Lloris in, in terms of the penalty for that. So I think that we're going to, you know, this isn't going to be a match of flair or a match of excitement, but it's going to be a match of, of focus, of motivation, of drive, of, of, of a real sense of, of vitality and intent. Both of these teams knowing that, you know, Belgium had this Ballyhoo golden generation who, you know, particularly we look at that defense. I mean, these are players that are in their late 20s, early 30s. You know, are they really going to be at the peak of their powers coming to the next World Cup cycle? Probably not. Some of them, it's a company particularly by wanting to be with the team. So I think that, you know, Belgium had this motivation to win now. You know, France perhaps are a little bit more of a team on the up, given the age of most of their squad, say, say perhaps Shiru, uh, Lloris, and Matuidi. But I think that we're really going to see two teams that are going to bring everything they have to bear to this and are going to play, you know, a really, really intense match of football. Um, and that's not to say intense at, at the at the expense of quality. I think we're going to see still really well-rounded and, and a well-focused match. Yeah, I think intense is the word that I'm, I'm expecting. From from such a huge game, you, you do get that intensity from these sorts of these sort of matchups. Uh, just to move into you, Jess, do you, is that something you would agree with in terms of the, how the game might pan out? And uh, who do you see as favourites? Just as an aside, that game Eric mentioned, I just sort of looked it up, and Belgium actually 4-1 up at the start of France in that game, and coming into the last minute, and France scored twice to sort of make it a bit more respectable. Obviously a very different time and, and not, not too relevant, but um, yeah, would, would you would you go along with Eric there? It was, yeah, it was, it was a very flattering result for France. They got two goals in the last couple of minutes, and um, they they were pretty much hum- humiliated in that match. So I certainly hope that this one takes a slightly different form. Um, I agree, it's going to be intense. There's you know there's so many players on both teams who know each other so well. Um, you know, sort of clusters of three four players at a time who play for the same club. Um, so this is really going to be not only geographically but sort of personnel wise like a derby. Um, and it has the potential to go either way. I mean, it, it could be a goal fest or it could be really tight. I think it probably depends a lot on the, the intent of the two teams. Um, France, I think, have shown in the last two matches that they can either um, play sort of controlling possession or giving the, the possession to the other team. Belgium, I think, for the most part against Brazil were, were effective sort of hitting them on the break. And um, there was also that the, the winner against Japan was a fantastic counterattack as well. So. Um, I think uh, a lot depends on on how the the two teams are set out. Um, possibly, if there's, I, I can see it being one of those matches where if there's an early goal, um, you know, the whole thing could could turn into into chaos. But at the same time, I can also see it being entertaining, hopefully, but also cagey and yeah, possibly, you know, the the, the odd goal nicking it. Um, I know they they were tested quite a lot against Brazil, but I'm still not 100% convinced about about Belgium's defence. So I, I do think there's 
there's um, sort of reasons for France to be cheerful there. Um, and also with, with Meunier out, they obviously won't have their, their first choice right back there either. Um, but, you know, the, the, the front three that they've got, the way they've been playing, Lukaku in particular, I think Hazard and, and De Bruyne, you expect excellence pretty much week in, week out. Lukaku, you know, certainly Everton and, and United fans would, would argue that, um, he, you know, he has his very dodgy moments, but I think he's been absolutely superb this World Cup. Um, and I think by virtue of, of the way those three have clicked together so far this World Cup, I think I'd put Belgium as slight favourites actually. But, um, you know, I think it's, it's more or less 50 50. It really could go either way. Yeah, it does have the feel of a 50 50 game. And I, I agree that it does feel like a game that, that it will go one of two ways. It will be cagey and intense, or it will be, there'll be an early goal and all hell will break loose. Um, hopefully, the second. Um, where do you think this game will be won and lost, Derek? Just as a, as a final point to round, round us off. Yeah, I think as Jeremy rightly mentioned, uh, I think that that Belgian defence, you know, we look at the likes of Alderweireld, Company, Vertonghen, you know, these are some of the Premier League's best defenders, but there's, <laughs> there's no Premier League comparison for Kylian Mbappe. And I think that really is what this comes down to. I think that we saw against Argentina, France's willingness to trust in him to turn a match on its head can be the difference, and I think it will be the difference uh, here. I, I think that, again, I, I still think penalties are like a result, but I think that Mbappe's play is what's going to give France um, that ability to take it to extra time. I, I have to be pessimistic and, and say, say Belgium are going to win because it's worked so far. <laughs> Spoken like a true Frenchman. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic stuff. Right, I think that is about all we've got time for. But just a reminder, uh, remember to check us out on Twitter at GFFN. And for all the latest news and opinion podcasts, feature articles, as I mentioned at the beginning of the pod, check out getfootballnewsfrance.com. So thank you, my thanks to Eric and Jeremy Smith for joining me this evening. Uh, Alice Le Bleu, and enjoy the semi-finals. <laughs>